Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, uh, good morning everyone. Good morning. Uh, there we go. I, I got Warren in the back there covering everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, my name's Brian. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Greenville First. So glad that you are here as we wrap up our series, Redo. We've been talking about just some things in our lives that we could use a redo in. Uh, if you were, here, if you missed any of the past few weeks, then uh, just give you the cliff note one-line statement over the past two weeks. Uh, at the start of our series, Pastor Brittany, she just shared about how we can redo the pace in our lives, how we can slow down and eliminate the hurry in our life. And then last week, Pastor Josh, he shared on how we how we can redo how we rest, and he talked about. The Sabbath, and I mean, I'm still just kind of processing that. So, um, but we're going to continue on today as we close out our series redo. And so, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 this morning here. It'll be on the screen um, there for you to reference. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. So, just a few verses here. Um, it says this This is Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about self. Each day has trouble enough on its own. Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that, Lord, we could be here together to gather in your presence. And God, Lord, I ask that today you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, we, you would speak to our minds. Let us receive your word today. And God, I just ask that you would use me because, God, without you, I'm nothing. And we do this for your glory and honor alone. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 My senior year in high school, I was on uh, my school's track team. I ran track. Um, it's not the coolest thing in the world, but, but I did it anyway. And uh, my senior year, I ran track all throughout high school. And my senior year, I was on this relay uh, team. It's called the 4 by 400 meter relay. And it's simply this, is that there are four runners... And each one of our runners would run a four, one lap around the track, totaling 400 meters. And we would have this baton, and the baton is just a way to acknowledge which runner is running the leg. And upon ending your leg, you would hand the baton off to the next runner, and they would compete. And as any race goes, whoever finishes first gets first place. So my senior year in high school, I am on this 4 by 400 meter relay team, and because of our experience, because of the fact that we were all juniors and seniors, we were considered favorites to be able to compete at the state championship uh, relay uh, meet. We call them meets. 
And so my, my relay team, we were considered to be a team that could do well and advance to states. And in order for us to get to states, we had to qualify at a sectional meet that was a qualifier for states. But we were, we were the favorites for this qualifier meet. And we knew it. We knew we were the favorites. And so for us going into this race that would qualify us to get to the state championship meet, um, we let it get to our head. I mean, we just, we walk around with a little swagger. We'd be like, hey, yeah, you're all running for second place. You're all competing, you know, to uh, finish behind us. And, and we were all consumed and focused on running in the state championship before we even qualified. Some of you are like, ooh, this is just not going to go well. Anyway, foreboding, right? So anyway, um, we get to the qualifying meet. It's a sectional meet, and my team's there, and the, the meet is going on, and finally gets to our race. And my responsibility in this race is the leadoff runner. And pretty much my job is that I need to start us, our, our, re, our team off as fast as possible, and my job is to be in first place when I pass the baton to my teammate. I mean, obviously, we're all can make sense of that. But again, that was my job. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the slowest. At the end of the day, though, I needed to do my very best to make sure that I positioned our team to be in the best position to win by the end of the race. And so our, our race comes up, and I get down the blocks. And again, I'm so focused in on the state championship. I'm not focused on this race. I'm not concerned about this. This is just a trivial thing that I have to do. It's an obstacle that I have to deal with in order to get to where I need to go, which is the state championship. And so I get down in my blocks, and I get set, and the, the official, he goes, runners, take your mark, and I'm down, and I can't move, and my mind's just thinking, like, oh, yeah, you got this, you're gonna beat all these people, you're gonna, you're gonna be the best, you know, your team is number one, can't wait to get to states. Official says, get set. I get up in my get set position, waiting for him to fire the gun off, and finally the gun goes off and I am out. I don't know if I've ever gotten out of my blocks as quick as I did in that moment. And I am running, I hit the first turn and I feel good. Now, 400 meters, it's not a long distance, but it's not a short distance. And pretty much it's one of those races where you just run as fast as you can for as long as you can and hope you get to the end still running really fast. And so, running 101, there you go. So anyway, I get to, through the first turn and I'm hitting the straightaway and I'm feeling good. I don't see anyone in my peripheral vision, so I'm like, oh yeah, we got this, we got this. I hit the back turn and I'm running, I'm running, and we come around the final bend of the turn. Now, when you're running a, a race, one of the rules they tell you not to do is look behind you. Because the moment you look behind, like, um, you kind of get distracted, you slow down. But I was feeling good. So I look behind me, and I'll tell you what, there was no one near me. They were so far behind me, and I was like, oh, I got this. We're good. And I hit the final straightaway, and I got like 100 meters to go on this race. 90 meters. Oh, man. You're running. You got this. 80 meters. The adrenaline's kicking. I'm pumped. You know, I'm running. I'm not even tired. 70 meters. I'm going to hand this baton off to my teammate in such a huge lead. There's no way we could lose. 60 meters. 50 meters. All right. Got to find my teammate. 40 meters. 30 meters. All of a sudden, I'm like, where's my teammate? 20 meters. Where's my teammate at? 20, 15 meters. 10, 5. 
Now, I'm going to give you a little, just a little race 101 knowledge here. If you're ever in a situation where you're running a race, it is usually not a good moment for you if in the middle of a race, you have to come to a complete stop. Just saying. And the problem is in a relay race, and we could go into a whole nother message with this, just this little subject here. There is an exchange zone in which you have to exchange and pass the baton from one runner to the next. I am in the middle of this exchange zone. And so in order for me not to get my team disqualified, I have to come to a complete stop. Because my teammate, who I'm supposed to hand the baton off to, is nowhere to be found. And so I am at a complete standstill, holding the baton and looking where is my teammate? Where, where are they? Now, as I, am at a, as I am at a standstill, the other runners are now catching up. And so the, the individuals who were behind me are now starting to catch up. And as I am still frantically looking to see where my teammate is so I can pass this baton, they start to pass me. So second place passes me, third place. And so I'm now angry, I'm fuming, I'm like, what in the world? And so finally, I look over to the side and there's a fence next to the track. I see all three of my teammates along the fence. I see my coach and the rest of the people on the track team and they're all pointing, they're laughing, except for my coach. And I'm looking around because I ran my leg in the wrong heat. I ran in the wrong race. I was so focused on competing and going to states that I ended up running in the first heat even though our team was in the second heat. And so everyone is laughing, they're pointing, I'm standing, now there's, the race is still going on and so I'm standing like, oh my, like people are starting to realize what's going on. My coach and I make eye contact. If you've ever been in sports and you did something you weren't supposed to do and your coach just and like made eye contact in that moment and I realized like I'm never like this was bad. This it was humiliating. Now, I wish I could tell you that there was some good that ended up, but I'll I'll just tell you this that I had exerted all of my energy in this race. They let me run in our actual heat. But because I was so tired and expended all my energy, we ended up coming in last place in this race, and we didn't get to go to states. And so I get to live with that for the rest of my life. Um, I'm sure there are people who won't let me forget that. Uh, that's why I don't go to high school reunions. Um, but anyway, but anyway, what happens? What happens when we lose focus in life? What happens when our attention? is so focused in the wrong areas that we lose sight of where our attention should be. What happens? And I think that for a lot of us, we allow ourselves to get distracted. We allow our, our minds to get focused in on the wrong things. And then we end up in an area of life that we were never meant to be in. We end up so focused in on the wrong things that we miss out in the wrong area. I was so focused in on things that I should not have been focused in on when I was running that race that I ended up missing out on the race that I was supposed to run in. And it was all because, not because of my skill set, not because of my team, but because my attention was elsewhere. And I feel like for you and I, we are living in a world and in a life 
where our attention and our focus is in the wrong places. Our minds are so focused on what we are consuming. Our, our lives are so focused in on what things are going to happen in our life. And so we allow these things to create stress and anxiety and fear and worry to consume us. And it's because we're so focused in inwardly on these things. And we allow the, the stress and the anxiety and the worry of life to just control and consume our mind. That we are in a place where we are never meant to be at. And we miss out on the life that God calls for us. See, I don't know about you, but I just find that life is complicated. Life is complex. It's convoluted. I, I, I use a, uh, a thesaurus there. I can't even say that word, but I use it so that way I could have three C's. But life is complicated. It's complex. It's convoluted. There's a lot of things that, that happen in life. But I feel like that many of us, myself included, in the midst of all that life has for us, I add extra things to my life that is not necessary. And when I do so, I end up missing out on where God wants me to be. Because how many of you today would say, hey, I could use some more stress in my life? Yeah. How many of you could use some more tough financial decisions in your life? But the problem is, is that we add this into our life, not realizing the ramifications that it has even though life is hard already. But today I want to just talk to you as we are, um, as we are kind of navigating this sense of redo and just saying, hey, listen, we need to redo what we allow to consume our lives. Because I believe that as we look at that, we can find that living a simpler life will free us from the distractions, will free us from a life that God never intended us to live in. So as we go back to the text this morning, I want to I talk to you a little bit about this. See, in the text in Matthew chapter 6, we find Jesus is giving probably what we would consider the most famous sermon or message in all of history. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And he's preaching to the multitudes. And in this passage we just read, he's talking about three things. He's talking about what you eat what you drink, and what you're wearing. And he talks about that in the, in, the, in the context of a lot of you, not you here, but the audience there, are focused and consumed with worrying about what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, and what am I going to wear? Now, let's just kind of pause, and if we go back to that time period, let's recognize it and, and identify that the vast majority of those in that audience were probably low-class, low poor, impoverished individuals. And so for you and I, when we hear, well, don't worry about what you eat and don't worry about what you drink and don't worry about what you wear, I mean, in the context of where you and I are at in life, I mean, when we worry about the things that we want to eat, normally it's just a disagreement between a husband and wife about, I don't want to eat this. What do you want to eat? I don't know what you want to eat. What do you want to eat? What am I going to do for lunch after, you know, after service? Some of you are thinking that now. Some of you are wondering, oh my goodness, what are we going to eat? I hope they don't say I want to eat this because we just ate that earlier. Right? That's what we're thinking. We're not even thinking about like, what we're going to drink unless it's like a health thing because 
You're not drinking enough water. We were just we, we, in the office earlier this week. We were having a conversation with someone about drinking too much water, not drinking enough water, and you know, making sure we're trying to consume the, the, the right amount of fluid ounces of water in a day, but then it makes you go to the bathroom, so it's just like this give and take thing. It's just, oh, man, it's crushing. And then what am I going to wear? We're not thinking about how am I going to get clothes to put on my back. We're thinking about how am I going to look really good? How am I going to make sure that I am dressed to impress? How am I going to make sure I am comfortable in this situation? How am I going to make sure I am not overdressed for this occasion? Those are the things that you and I think of when we think of what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? And what am I going to wear? But in the context of this message that Jesus is preaching and teaching on, these individuals have a genuine concern about whether or not they're going to have food today for themselves and their family. They're wondering whether or not they're going to have water that is going to be something they can consume and not make the mill. And they're genuinely concerned on if they can find clothing for them and their family to wear so they can go out and go about their business and their work. There's a genuine concern, and with that comes a worry. And so we have to try to put ourselves in that position because it's hard for us when we hear these things because we just... We have a convenience. It's not about a need. It's just a convenience. Or it's about how I come across or what's going to be a luxury that I can enjoy today. But in this moment, when Jesus is talking to people about a genuine need and worry and fear that they had, he tells them, listen, you're worrying about whether you're going to eat. But listen, can I tell you that, that even the birds and, and the creatures of the land, they... They don't have the ingenuity and the knowledge to be able to, to save and to be able to do all these things and to, and yet they can still eat because the Father provides for them. And that even the creatures have water that's provided for them. And that even the, all of nature is dressed in a way that goes beyond anything you could ever imagine. So if God is willing to take care and provide for these lowly creatures, nature, in comparison to you and I who are made in the very image of God, why would we ever worry that God would not provide for our needs? And so we say, listen, don't consume yourself with worry over these basic needs because your father if he provides for these beasts in this land, in this, the, the nature that will pass away one day, then he will surely provide for you. See, these weren't first world problems. You ever hear that phrase, first world problems? Like, first world problem would be this item I want on Amazon is an Amazon Prime, so I'm going to have to wait three days instead of two days. Or I don't have cell service, so I can't check the score in the game. You know, those things that, that you and I find as inconveniences, but we make them into bigger problems. These aren't first world problems. These are real life genuine concerns. And yet even there, Jesus is saying, listen, God will provide. So he's saying, don't worry. But the problem is I believe that you and I, we have allowed some other things in our life to consume us that leads us to worry. Because we're concerned about other things and it's not necessarily about the food we eat and the things that, um, and, and the, what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear, but it's how are these people going to perceive me today? 
It's how can I get more of this and how can I get more of that and how can I make sure that I have this much money or how can I have this much wealth and how can I have this, that, and the other. And the problem is that we've allowed these temporary things to consume our minds, to consume our lives, and so then we live in a state of worry that we were never meant to live in and it causes us to lose out, to miss, uh, lose sight of, to step into an area of life that we were never called to live. So today I want to talk to you about simplifying our lives so we can live in the life God has called us to live. And I'll be honest, there's some tension here. There's some, I, I stepped, this whole week I stepped on my toes. Pastor Josh and I, we were talking, he's like, we were kind of going back and forth. He's like, this is going to step on your toes. And I'm like, oh, and it stepped on my toes. And so we're going to navigate this together. But I, not, there's some tension here. There's going to be some things that we're going to have to wrestle with as Christ followers and everything. But hopefully you can see where we're going together and what God has for us. But I want to talk to you about, hey, what does a simplified life look like? And a simplified life, the first thing I want to say is this, is that a simplified life prioritizes his kingdom. A, pri- a simplified life prioritizes his kingdom. What does Jesus say? He says this. It's a, it's a famous verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be, at, will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom. Now, some of you might hear his kingdom. You may, what, what, what does that mean, his kingdom? And in fact, I, I, would, I would venture to say that probably people in the audience in that time period probably thought the same thing. What is the kingdom of God? See, Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. What does he say? He says, the kingdom of God is not of this world. Later on, he'll say the kingdom of God is among you. Another time, he'll say the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then he'll say, the kingdom of God is in you. And then he'll say, the kingdom of God is coming. And that can get really confusing because all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. It's not of this world, but it's in me and it's coming, but it's among us. And you're, I mean, I don't know if it's just you, if it's just me here, but I'm like, what in the world, Jesus? Like, what is the kingdom of God? Let me just give you a simplified response to what is the kingdom of God that will help us today? The kingdom of God is the place where God is ruling as king. Where God is ruling as king. And to add to that one additional layer is that where God is ruling as king, God desires that God would reign reign as king in my life and the lives of those around me. The place where God is ruling as king. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, seek first the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that seek first that God would reign as king in your life. That God would rule and reign as king in your life and in the lives of everyone that you encounter. And that is what he is saying when he says seek first. So when you seek first, you're saying, I am seeking that God would first rule and reign in my life. And that God will rule and reign in the lives of all those that I encounter as well. Now, I do want to take a moment here to just give this disclaimer because a moment ago I just said, like, how many of you could use more stress? And none of you raised your hands. So lousy participation today. But anyway, all seriousness, though, you just, none of us need more. And and all of a sudden I'm now saying, hey, you need to add this thing to your plate. But that's not what I'm saying here today. What I am saying is this, is that God wants to rule and reign in in your life as king, and that's something we need to seek first. 
But it's not that we have to first seek God rule and reign in my life, and I'll, knock, I'll cross that off my checklist of things to do, and then I'll go to the next thing that I have to do, which is to either be a good husband or a good son, and then the next thing is to be a good employee, and the next thing to do is to be a good... No, what I'm saying is that as you are a father, as you are a son, as you are a spouse, as you are an employee, as you are an employer, as you are this, that, whatever your role, whatever your responsibility, whatever facet of life that you are in, that God would rule and reign in there. So it's not a thing that you check mark off and then go on to the next thing, but rather it is an all-encompassing facet of life that as I am a spouse, that I would allow God to rule and reign in my life as a husband or as a wife. That as I am a son or daughter, I would allow God to rule and reign in my life as a son or daughter. That as I am an employee, I would allow God to rule and reign in my life in my work. As I'm in church, that I would allow God to rule and reign in my life in church. Seek first his kingdom, that God would rule and reign in your life and in all facets of life. Sometimes we just think these things happen in church and only church. But I can't, can I just tell you, it needs to happen primarily in the places outside of here. Because why? We're only here for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two and a half hours. But the rest of our lives are predominantly outside these walls. We need to allow God to rule and reign in our lives. So he says, seek first his kingdom. And then he adds this thing, his righteousness. And again, to try to create some simplification for us this morning, what is his righteousness? And I think just a way for us to kind of continue to go forward, that we are to seek the character of God in our life. We are to seek the character of God in our life. That we would not just be content with being a good individual, a good person, but we would strive to be Christ-like. We would strive to embody the character of God in, through, and around our lives. When growing up as a child, I had the, um, I had the privilege of witnessing the greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball, Michael Jordan, uh, to play. Um, some of you have not had that. I had that privilege. And growing up as a kid, I remember staying up super late and watching the Chicago Bulls play in the finals. And I would fall asleep and everything. But as a kid, we all, you know, to accept, idolized Michael Jordan. And there was this phrase that would go around when I was a child that would just resonate with pretty much an entire generation of young boys and young girls who want to play basketball. And it was this. Be like Mike. Saw some of you uh, lipping that there. So you, you know, right? Be like Mike. And how would you be like Mike? Well, for me, I make sure that everything and anything I did would be like Mike. So you better believe that I would eat my Wheaties because that's what Michael Jordan ate. And they were disgusting. But because I want to be like Mike, I would eat my Wheaties. And you better believe that if I want to be like Mike, I would drink my Gatorade. Even though I didn't need to drink Gatorade, water would have been fine, but I had to drink Gatorade. And if I wanted to be like Mike, and whenever I played basketball, I had to wear the Jordan shoes. Even though my dad said, no, you don't need to wear the Jordan shoes to play basketball. So I didn't get to wear the Jordan shoes when I played basketball. But I still wanted to do everything. Why? Because I wanted to be an NBA player just like Michael Jordan. So if I want to be like him, I need to imitate everything that he does. And we do this today still. 
You ever see these videos called A Day in the Life of where uh, people will kind of go and follow celebrities and stars and, and all the things they do, the ins and outs of their day? Is it just so that way we can be entertained? Partly, but I think it's also so that way individuals can learn all the things that this person or that person, this person who's got this status or this person who's this celebrity and what they do so that way we can imitate them to be like them. Can I tell you that if we want to seek his righteousness in our lives, then we need to imitate Christ in our lives. We need to follow and imitate his routine, his habits, his disciplines. And we have all of that spelled out for us in scripture. We see how Jesus was not always in a hurry, how he would slow down. We see how Jesus would rest in his life and honor the Sabbath and keeping it holy. We would see how Jesus would go away and spend time in prayer. We would see how Jesus lived a life without any blemish. We would see how Jesus would go and always be ready to meet a need. Now listen, can we achieve that? No, but can we imitate that? We better try as best we can so we can seek his righteousness. Seek his righteousness. And so as we seek his kingdom, as we seek his righteousness, as we seek God ruling and reigning in all facets of our life, as we seek to imitate Christ and his character, what we're doing is we are prioritizing these things and we're allowing something to change within us. And then through that, we should begin to see something change on the outward. So as we continue on, we'll find that a simplified life is not a consumer life. We live in culture and society. It's all about money. It's all about wealth. It's all about taking hold of material items. It's all about entertainment. It's all about stuff. And this is where we're going to feel some tension here, and hopefully we can walk through this together. Because I'll, I'll tell you, this has been something that I've been stepping on my toes the entire time. But we live in a society and culture that prays and is infatuated with consumerism. All about self-gratification. All about consuming as much as I can. And here's why. I think that for a lot of people in society, we want security. We want security in our life, and we want to know that we have the means and the resources. We have the financial backing to be secure regardless of what happens in our life. We want to have personal worth and personal value. And so we feel like having stuff makes us feel successful and important. We want power. And we feel like if we have more stuff in our lives, that that will give us greater influence and that that will give us more control and that people will look and see how much we have or what we have and they'll say, oh, you are at another level than I am and then we can now have control over those below us. We want independence. With the more stuff that I have, the less I have to be dependent and rely on other people. If I have all this, then I don't need you. I have independence from you. And then pleasure. With stuff and wealth, I can indulge in what I want to do. I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, however I want to do it. So we, we have this. And 
But what's interesting is that in all these things that, that we allow to consume our lives and that we consume in our daily lives, these are actually areas that I believe that Jesus meets himself. But we're so focused on these temporary things, these things that will he- be here today and gone tomorrow. In fact, Jesus talks about this earlier in our text. See, a few verses earlier in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus will talk about having treasures on earth versus having treasures in heaven. And he says, listen, don't have treasures on earth. Don't build treasures on earth. Why? Because you can't take it with you. Because it's going to fade away. Because it's not going to last. It's not going to endure. Build your treasures in heaven. And then additionally, he then says, hey, listen, you want to gauge whether he uses illustration of having healthy or unhealthy eyesight. And he says, listen, you have unhealthy eyesight if all you're doing is self-focus, if all you're looking at is meeting your own needs. But you have healthy eyesight if instead of focusing on what you're doing to consume, 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 and take, 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 you're looking out to beat the needs of those around you. And then finally he gives this. He says, listen, you can't serve both money and God. And listen, sometimes we take that as a, as a command, like, hey, you can, thou shalt not you know, uh, have a master of God and a master of money. It's not a command. It's just the truth. You can't do it. He's not saying you shouldn't do it. He's just saying you can't. You can't have two masters of both God and money. Can I tell you that our lives were meant for so much more than just temporary things? We are meant for more than just the consumption of materialistic things that are temporary on earth. Can I tell you that more stuff does not equal less worry? Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that more stuff doesn't equal fulfillment in your life? How many of you ever heard say, more money, more problems, right? But we think for whatever reason that, oh, if I have this or if I have that, if I can dress this way, or if I can, can have these nice things, or if I can have this position or this title, if I can have, know these right people in my life, then all of a sudden, life is going to be better for me. But here's the problem. What I have found in my short few years on earth is that whenever I have that thought process, and I start to think, oh, if I, could, if I could dress this way, or if I could have these items, or if I could do this or do that. Whenever I attain that, it doesn't fulfill that void in my life. It just creates, it just shifts my eyesight to the next thing. All of a sudden, that's not enough. Now I need this. And listen, I know I'm stepping on some toes here today, but I'm talking to myself primarily here. Right? But that's not what we were meant. And listen, there's nothing wrong with us having nice things. I don't want you to leave here and be like, well, he said that I can't have something nice or I can't. Listen, I know we all like nice things. But can I just tell you that if you allow the things that you consume to consume you, you've missed it. If you wake up every day and the first thing on your mind are the materialistic desires of your life and not the things of the Father, you've missed it. If you wake up in the dead of night and you are concerned about things that are temporary, you've missed it. And God is saying, listen, that worry, that anxiety, that is dictating your life. And you can't allow that control you because you're missing out on the life that I have for you. See, Jesus talks about this a lot. 
Luke 12, 15, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul, referencing Jesus' words, says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then in Matthew 16, Jesus says this. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for your soul? See, I want to just encourage and challenge us all that when we simplify our lives and we remove this desire to be consumers only, which is not the life that Jesus has called us to be, we're called to give, not to receive. But when we allow these things, this desire to just be consumers to go away, we find that the things that are crippling us, the worry, the anxiety of wondering and stress of, will I have enough? And what's this person going to think of me? And how am I going to get this? And how am I going to pay for that? And how am I going to pay off this bill or that? All of a sudden, those things can pass away. And we can find contentment in our lives, true contentment. See, we don't always need the latest and greatest. You don't need to have the best name brand. You don't always need to be consumed with what your bank account and your 401k statement is. You don't always have to have the most of this and the most of that. I'm reading the list that my wife would have for me because this, this, this is for me. I don't need it. She's thinking that right now too, and she's right. But can I tell you that when we all of a sudden, our perspective shifts from me consuming everything, then we can be aware of the needs of those around us that God has called us to meet. And I do want to say this again. There's some tension here. Because who doesn't like nice things? We like nice things. Because what I don't want this to be is a legalistic message where you feel like, oh, we can't have this or can't have that. No. We're not trying to be legalistic here. We're just saying that simplicity ensures that we don't allow our consumption of materialistic items to supersede our priority of seeking his kingdom and his righteousness in our lives. So when we're able to simplify our lives and be less concerned about what we consume, then I think we'll discover this, that a simplified life worries less. A simplified life worries less. Jesus said this. He said, all these things will be given to you. Talking about the food, water, and clothing that was consuming all the thought process, the stress, the anxiety, the worry of those in his audience. He said, listen, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you seek first his righteousness, then all these things will be given to you. Now, this isn't a prosperity moment here where if you do these things or your life looks like this, that you're going to have everything you could ever desire. It's not, not a, a magic lamp that you get to rub and get whatever you want. No, what we're saying is this, though. Hey, listen, if we seek first his righteousness, we seek first his kingdom, then God will provide for your needs. might not be your wants. It might not look the way that you envision, but you will find that God is faithful to provide for our needs. I can't tell you how many times in my life when it felt like 
This was going bad and that was going bad. And the outcome in my situation just looked bleak. But God was faithful to provide for my needs. It didn't matter what my bank account had. It didn't matter what the doctor report said. What mattered was that God was faithful to provide for my needs. If he's willing to provide for the needs of the beasts of the land and the creatures of the earth and the sea, then why would he ever ignore the needs of his creation who he's made in his image? Now, I'll tell you this. I said a simplified life worries less. I didn't say is without worry because we're going to have worry. If you feel like you're worried, like we're all going to carry worry. But, but I also believe that if I look at myself, a lot of my worry is on things that I'm facing tomorrow. Or a lot of my worry is on things in the past. And what does Jesus say here? He says, listen, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we would just recognize that, hey, I don't need to worry about tomorrow because I can't do anything about tomorrow. I should only focus on worrying about today. And if I remove the worry that I have about tomorrow, I'll find that I have a lot less worry to carry today. You might be here today and say, ah, but I, I know what I'm facing tomorrow. I know I, know I got that, that, that financial decision I have to make. I have that doctor um, appointment that I have to go to. And I, I just don't know if I have the strength today to face it. Can I tell you? You don't. You don't have the strength today to face tomorrow. You have the strength today to face today. And that as you face today, as you trust God today with your today, you'll find that you can trust God tomorrow when you get to tomorrow. That he'll have strength for you tomorrow when? Tomorrow. Because all of a sudden, it's a shift in our perspective, and now it's a sense of trust and dependence on the one who provides. So I don't have the strength today for tomorrow. I have the strength today for today. And when I simplify my life, I'll find that I worry less. So just as we're closing today, I, I know it can be tough. You know? But I do believe that we're in a very materialistic, consumeristic society. I can't tell you how many things I've read over the past week about all the, the business people and the entertainment people and how they have intentionally manipulated and preyed on you and I to fall right into the palm of their hand, which is to consume, consume, consume. But we can't allow the things that we consume in this world to consume us. Listen, we're going to have to make purchases. We're going to have to make decisions. We're going to have to buy things. But if those decisions and those material things become at the forefront Instead of us seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, then we missed it. And I think that we add a lot of worry. We add a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress in our life that keeps us away. I'm consumed with all this anxiety and stress. And because of that, I am so focused here that I'm realizing I'm running in the wrong race. I'm supposed to run a race over here. But because I'm allowing this stress and this worry to cause me to lose focus on what really matters, I'm running in this race, expending energy in this race that I was never meant to run. And I'm not going to have the strength and the ability to run the race that God has called me to run. So I'd just like to close today and just ask that just everyone could bow their head and close their eyes just for a moment here. 
You know, there's, there's a lot that, that I just shared today, and, and there might be someone here today, you're like, kingdom of God, his righteousness, and Jesus, and I, I don't know a whole lot about that, but I, I can tell you that I got a lot of worry in my life. Man, I'm consumed about thinking about what people think about me. I'm so consumed about and stressed about all the stuff that I have and the things that I don't have and wanting more and not being able to get it. But I'm finding that it's just eating me alive. It's consuming me. But you talked about this Jesus and you said that, hey, if I just follow him, he'll provide those needs. Can I tell you that there's this invitation that Jesus gives us all. He says, hey, listen, are you wearied? Are you burdened? Hey, come to me. And so today, Jesus is inviting all of us. He's saying, hey, listen, just come follow me and find that I'll give you rest. Find that I'll be able to give you freedom from that worry and that stress. And so that's you today. I would love to pray with you. If you're here, say, hey, listen, I'd love to try following Jesus. If that's you, could you just simply raise your hand? No one's looking around today. Up in the balcony. See that hand. Hey, can we pray this together? Hey, dear Jesus, Lord, help me in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, be Lord of my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you. Help me to put you first. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just give it up for anyone who... Can I just tell you that that's the greatest decision that any of us could make. And I just want to give you, hey, because you made a decision, you're like, okay, what's next? Well, I want to just kind of go over a couple things. First, there's a number on the screen. We would love to connect with you because you might be like, hey, well, I don't know where to go. We would love to help you and walk with you through that. If you text that number and text made new, we would love to reach out to you, get to know you a little bit. And if you're here today, maybe you're like, oh, I'm here today. I, I want to, we got a resource for you just today. It's called a book called Following Jesus. And it gives you just some practical next steps on the journey to following Jesus. And here's the deal. We know we're not meant to do it alone. That's why we are here because our mission at Greenville First is to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be.